0: What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to the division round of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. And we're coming in hot this week, folks. Wildcard Weekend, incredibly successful for us. We'll get into talking about those results before we get into the division round picks. The game's obviously only getting more important, more critical from here. Ones and duns. Let's get into it. Now before we do that, I feel like I have to address the elephant in the room, which was a commenter from last week. Don't worry, I cleared my throat a whole big bunch before I got on mic today. Because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to offend your precious sensibilities with a little bit of phlegm. So funny that comment didn't even come from SoundCloud, which is an audio-only medium. So, you know, take that for what it is so wildcard weekend again how did we do well straight up quite frankly we aaron Rodgers did we ran the table 4-0 straight up i'm certainly not the only person that did that but 4-0 straight up which is an excellent start to these playoffs against the spread only went two and two because who would have thought after last year, when I believe all four road teams won their games straight up in Wildcard Weekend, someone can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong about that, then we would go to this year where not only all four home teams would win, but all four home teams would cover against the spread. You know, tough to call that one, but we did get two of the four. The Obviously, the favorites covered, The the underdogs did not. Uh, over/under, we also went three and one, so only missed one of the over/unders, which is fantastic. So overall, straight up against the spread and over/under, we were nine and three in Wild Card Weekend, which is really, really good. Of only 33 total picks through the playoffs, there's 11 games. There's a straight up pick against the spread and over/under. Of those 33, we already have nine through the first weekend, so we're setting ourselves up really well moving forward. Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for Season 5 of the show, both straight up and against the spread. If you've been following along, we always start in the straight up pool. Now, obviously, since I went 4-0, I brought in all 40 possible confidence points that I could bring in in Wildcard Weekend, so I'm still sitting in first place. The downside to that is, Gilius Thunderhead also went 4-for-4, four four, so also brought in all 40 confidence points, which means I still only lead second place by 4 points. Now, as I mentioned, I'm certainly not the only person to have gone 4-and-0 oh this past weekend, so we got a lot of people to shout out as far as the winners from Wildcard Weekend in the straight-up pool. Myself, Gilius Thunderhead, as I mentioned... 2ITP1IST, because I refuse to say your name on mic, West Coast Martin, ZGP, Rel Eagles Fly, and we'll get back to him, and Half Moon's Picks. We all went 4-0. and pulling in 40 of 40 possible confidence points. So shout out to all of those people for winning wildcard weekend. Me and Gillius Thunderhead, this is a championship match and it's coming down to the final rounds. Let's see how it plays out for the rest of the playoffs. Now let's go to the against the spread pool. Uh, In total, I have 134 correct against the spread picks based on Yahoo's lines. That now has me in a tie for second place. I did make up one on the leader who is still Brady's back. I I trail first place by two, and I only lead fourth place by two, having brought in two of the four games correctly against the spread. We shout out the winner of Wild Card Weekend, who not only went 4-0 straight up, but also went 4-0 and against the spread, and that is Rel Eagles Fly, TJ Harmon, with just an incredible Wild Card Weekend, 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread. TJ really Aaron rodgers did, which is funny because I obviously based on his name he's an Eagles fan but really Aaron Rodgers did by absolutely running the table that's something special so congratulations to you TJ as I mentioned Brady's back still leading the pack 136 correct against the spread picks based on Yahoo's lines but again her lead shrunk a little bit As I'm now tied for second place and trail her only by two, where we trailed her, I believe, by three at the beginning of last week. So this is still anybody's game. There's only four, five, six, seven games left. So leading by two with seven games left, it's kind of comfortable, but by no means is it a lock. And we're coming for Holly Gordon. Did that sound bad? I think that sounded bad. Eh, whatever. And of course, we'll take the opportunity to remind you that if you're listening to the episode, watching the episode on YouTube, you can go to the description of the video and you're going to find all of my results from Wildcard Weekend, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for the division round. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for Season 5 of the show. As you can see, I'm throwing out shoutouts left, right, and center, so it's certainly not too late to get yourself shouted out on the show unless your name is kind of offensive like the like the one and uh, you're also gonna find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page as well as links to other high quality NFL YouTube prognosticators who get out here do this every single week and are just as excited as I am that the games are only getting bigger and better and more important if you're listening to the episode on SoundCloud search NFL YouTube prognosticators on Facebook. Join the group. We talk football all week. We're really talking football now because everybody's real jazzed up from those wildcard games, ready for the division round. Make sure that you get in on the fun. Going 4-0 in the wildcard round was great. You know what looks even better than 4-0? 8-0. Let's get into these division round picks. And don't forget after the picks to stick around for my four-pick parlay. Only went 2-2 on the parlay last week. Let's see if we can improve that this week. I think considering that we started in the AFC last week, we should do our due diligence to the NFC and begin in the NFC this week. That's where we're going to start. And you know what? The heck with it. Let's just start with the main event. Let's start with the last game of the week, arguably the best game of the week, number four versus number one. In the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, 10-6, champions of the NFC North, coming off of a 38-13 victory over the New York Giants, that score does not belie how close that game was, traveling to Dallas taking on the 13-3 Cowboys, champions of the NFC East green bay obviously we talked about their numbers last week in the matchup with the giants number eight overall offense in football number seven passing offense in football only number 20 in terms of their run offense so their run offense definitely leaving something to be desired although it looks like they may have found a spark last week in christine michael hopefully they can keep that spark going They have averaged 27 points per game. That was number four in the NFL on defense. Obviously the Packers really struggled this season, except at stopping the run. They were a top 10 run defense at number eight overall in the NFL, but they're only number 22 in terms of total defense. Their secondary, obviously terrible second worst secondary in football, and they gave up 24.3 points per game. That was only number 21 overall in the league. So let's talk a little bit about Dallas and let's talk about how Dallas stacks up offensively and defensively with the Packers. On offense, number five total offense in football were the Dallas Cowboys this past season, averaging over 375 yards per game, slightly better than Green Bay at number eight. The pass offense this is the real difference between these two teams. Dallas got it done on the ground. They really, despite the good season that Dak Prescott had, His numbers were not mind-blowingly incredible, which is where I think his case for MVP really falls off. Dallas was only the number 23 pass offense in football this season at just over 225 yards per game. Now, I understand most of the season they were missing arguably their biggest weapon in Des Bryant, but they still had weapons and they could still only generate the number 23 pass offense. In terms of their run offense, I mean, obviously, Zeke Elliott and the three-headed monster. I completely, completely, sorry, four-headed monster, basically, in Dallas. I completely misjudged how Dallas's run offense was going to operate this season. I thought it was going to hurt Zeke Elliott, the fact that there's Alfred Morris in that backfield, and Lance Dunbar, and Darren McFadden was on the team at the time. And I was like, how in the world are they going to manage four running backs that they probably all want to? to get carries and the team probably wants to get them all carries and I completely misjudged the way that they were going to manage that almost 150 yards per game on the ground were the Dallas Cowboys this season number two overall in football so hey I gotta take that one on the chin because I definitely misjudged how good Dallas's run offense was going to be due in no small part to that incredible offensive line And the main thing, the Cowboys got it done where it mattered, which was on the scoreboard. 26.3 points per game has them the number five overall scoring offense in football this season, actually just behind Green Bay, who had, again, as I mentioned, 27 points a game at number four. On defense, these two teams are kind of interesting because like we talked about Green Bay, really bad secondary predicated on run defense and only the number 21 scoring defense. The big difference here, Dallas is the number five scoring defense in football this season, only giving up 19.1 points per game, which is absolutely incredible. But let's dive into those numbers a little bit deeper. In terms of total defense, Dallas is only middle of the pack, 343.9 in terms of the yardage they give up per game. It's number 14 in the league. It's pretty well middle of the pack, just slightly above middle of the pack. Their secondary was also really weak this season. This is where these two teams have some similarity, which is you can pass on the Dallas Cowboys defense. Their secondary, nothing to write home about. Dallas averaged giving up 260.4 yards per game through the air, which was number 26 in football this season. What Dallas did is they translated that through an incredible run defense. How incredible? Number one overall in football, only 83.5 yards given up per game on the ground. So they used that incredible run defense to really be an opportunistic defense to only give up that 19.1 points per game. So while the two secondaries really struggled, Dallas definitely more opportunistic than were the Packers. Despite the fact that Green Bay, even though their secondary was terrible, did average about an interception a game through the regular season. Of course, we want to make sure we pay attention to the situation here. This game is in Dallas. That does matter. Dallas at home, they were incredible. They did something special in Jerry World this season. Dallas was 7-1 at home outscoring opponents by an average score of 29 to 20 that is a two possession game folks and they really did incredible things this season at home green bay on the road they did their job to make it to the playoffs basically what have i been saying you go 500 on the road and you have a good home record and you got a great shot to get into the playoffs and that's what Green Bay did. Obviously, they did something special at home. I believe it was six and two at Lambeau Field. Away from Lambeau Field, they were four and four. So, in a results-driven business, they did their job. Now, look, those results were not great. Despite being four and four, they were outscored on average on the road twenty-eight to 26. That's a problem. Sure, it's less than a field goal, but when you're 500, you would hope that your scoring would be 500 as well, and for Green Bay, it hasn't been. One thing I wanted to do this week that obviously I didn't do last week because no one was coming into the game in this condition is take a look at the teams that are coming in this week having not played last week. How did they react to their bye week earlier in the season, because that can kind of be an indication of what you might see this week. Dallas, coming off their bye week, they had a home game against Philadelphia. It was a good situation for them, as the Eagles' defense on the road was not good this season. Their offense was not good this season on the road. It's a good situation for them being in their own building. They won that game 29-23. to Now look, granted, it's a division game. It's a good, it's a quality opponent. Sure, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were a quality opponent. They were almost a 500 team this season. But that's a one possession game in your own building against an inferior opponent. Let's dig into the numbers a little bit deeper. Zeke Elliott held under 100 yards. Now look, that's a good Philadelphia Eagles run defense. They held Zeke to under 100 yards. He did not find the end zone. In the secondary, Dak Prescott threw for a lot of yards, almost threw for 300 yards, scored two touchdowns, threw two touchdowns, actually rushed for another touchdown, but he did throw an interception, and he was under 50% in terms of his passing. Coming off the bye week, I don't think it did these rookies any favors. They weren't used to the NFL bye week, obviously, it's their first time having done it, and they came back, and the rookies looked a little rusty. And one more thing that I want to bring up because I think it's noteworthy and I think it's worth bringing it up. I took a look at Dallas's schedule. What I looked at was how did Dallas's secondary fare against top 10 total offenses this season? Because they're playing a top 10 total offense in Green Bay. So I wanted to look at how Dallas's secondary did against top 10 offenses. And the numbers were not overly pretty. In four games against top 10 offenses, that was two games against Washington, a game against Green Bay, and a game against Pittsburgh. In those four games, the Dallas secondary gave up 350 passing yards three times in four games and 400 plus passing yards twice this dallas cowboys secondary is exploitable now look we know green bay's secondary is exploitable the giants exploited the green bay secondary and was it not for a bunch of uh weed and party boat induced drops then that game would have been a lot more competitive at the end than it was but Green Bay is also going to be able to exploit Dallas's secondary. Couple the fact that Dallas' pass rush was good but not incredible this season. Green Bay may not get much of any pass rush really against this offensive line that's so incredible. Green Bay needs to focus on what Dallas has focused on all season, which is stopping the run. If they can stop Zeke Elliott, bottle him up, at least to a certain degree, and force Dak Prescott to have to make plays in the passing game, I think they've got a shot. How much of a shot do I think they have? I think Green Bay wins this game. (laughs) Call it insane if you must. I am taking the Green Bay Packers in an absolute shootout to beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, Green Bay, goes to the NFC Championship game. On the line, Dallas is favored by four points at home. So obviously, I like Green Bay to win. I like Green Bay plus four against the spread. Even if you like Dallas to win, I think this is going to be a shootout and I think it's going to be a close game. So four points may be a few too many in this one because I think both of these offenses are going to be able to keep up with each other too a large extent over under the total in this game is 52 points this thing's going over guaranteed take it to the bank i like this game to end 38 to 35 this is going to be a huge high scoring game leave the run game at home except for just slight change ups change of pace i think this is going to be an absolute shootout 38-35 38-35 to 35 for the Green Bay Packers. I like the Packers to win straight up. I like Green Bay plus four in a game that goes over 52 points. So if any of you are still listening after that, let's move on to Seattle-Atlanta. The other NFC matchup, number three versus number two, sees the Seattle Seahawks 10-5-1 champions of the NFC West coming off of a convincing 26-6 victory over the Detroit Lions in Seattle traveling to Atlanta to take on the 11-5 NFC South champion Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, we talked about Seattle last week, their offense, their offense was all right. Number 12 total offense in football, number 10 in terms of the pass offense, so just inside the top 10, struggled in the run game, number 25 overall, but of course, they did get good results last week out of Thomas Rawls, so if they can do that for another week, they're going to be setting themselves up well, averaging 22.1 points per game, tied for 18th in total scoring in the NFL this season. Defensively, Of course, Seattle, top 10 defense across the board, total defense, secondary, run defense, and the number three scoring defense in football at just 18.3 points allowed per game. The Atlanta Falcons, on the other hand, may be the very definition of a glass cannon. They are incredible on offense. Their defense is, by the numbers, Not great. Um, Offensively, let's talk about the positive before we get into the eh, needs improvement. Atlanta, number two total offense in football this season, just by a couple of yards per game. 415.8 yards per game, again number two. Number three, pass offense in football, 295.3 this season per game for Matty Ice. He had an incredible season, even with missing Julio Jones for a period of time run offense number five in football 120.5 yards per game put up by that two-headed monster combination of Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman and the number one scoring offense in football at 33.8 points per game number one scoring offense facing off against number three scoring defense that makes for great football. Again, the Falcons on the defensive side, there's some problems there. Number 25 in terms of total defense in football this season, 371.2 was what they allowed per game towards the bottom of the league. And a lot of that came out of the secondary. They were only the number 28 secondary in football this season giving up an average of 266.7 through the air that plays right into Seattle's strength this season which was the pass game their run defense could have been better but could have been worse 104.5 yards allowed per game on the ground were the Atlanta Falcons this season number 17 in terms of run defense And Atlanta, the number 27 scoring defense in football, giving up an average of 25.4 points per game. Now, this seems like it's a problem against a team that was a top 12 total offense, top 10 in terms of passing. But as we mentioned, Seattle didn't necessarily translate that yardage and pass yardage specifically into offensive points. We talked about it, 22.1 points per game. And taking into consideration, Seattle did not do well on the road this season. Taking into consideration that 6-6 tie with Arizona early in the season and an inexplicable 14-5 loss in Tampa Bay. What a weird score. Seattle was only 3-4-1 on the road this season, and they were outscored by over a field goal on average, 20-16. Now, Atlanta, I would argue Atlanta in terms of their results, again, results driven business in terms of their results, Atlanta was arguably the weakest home team to have a home game this late in the playoffs. They were arguably the weakest. They're arguably the weakest home team left in the playoffs, just based on the fact that they only went five and three at home. Now, look, they faced some huge offenses in that division and in the NFC. They only went 5-3, but they did outscore opponents by an average of 35-28. to 28. Holy cow, those high-scoring games. Now Atlanta, of course, coming off the bye week. How did they do coming off of their bye week earlier this season? Again, you got a veteran team there in Atlanta. A lot of those guys have been around for quite some time. Atlanta went out after their bye week and doubled up what most people would say is probably a quality opponent in the Arizona Cardinals, beat them in Atlanta 38 to 19 so they definitely made a statement of confidence and a statement of dominance coming out of their bye week. As far as I'm concerned all of this adds up to an Atlanta Falcons victory. I don't see Seattle going into Atlanta with the way they played on the road this season. I don't see them going into Atlanta and beating this high-powered offense, keeping them down and being able to generate enough on the offensive side to be able to win the football game. Atlanta's going to score their points. You can't really stop that, I don't think. And I don't think Seattle's going to be able to score enough points to keep up. So I like the Atlanta Falcons in this game. I think Atlanta beats Seattle straight up. On the line, Atlanta's favored by four and a half points. I actually think I'm going to take that because, again, this is kind of playing the situation. Seattle was outscored by an average of four points on the road, like I mentioned a little earlier. Atlanta, a high-powered offense, is only getting four and a half. So I'll take that extra half point, play my percentages, play my averages, and go Atlanta minus four and a half. Total in this game is 51 and a half points. I think this thing goes over because you look at Atlanta's average home game and it's what, 63 points? Our total here is only 51 and a half. I'm going to say it goes over. I'm going to go Atlanta 33, Seattle 24. I like the Falcons to move on to the NFC Championship game. I like Atlanta minus four and a half on the line in a game that goes over 51 and a half points. All right, guys, let's pop up to the AFC now and let's look at the most lopsided matchup of the week, which is number four versus number one. The Houston Texans, nine and seven champions of the AFC South, coming off of a convincing two possession win, 27 to 14 against the Oakland Raiders, or at least half of the Oakland Raiders in the wildcard weekend round. And what do they get for that? What's their late Christmas present for? winning in wildcard weekend well they get to go to new england and play the patriots uh 14 and 2 champions of the afc east offensively it's almost unfair to compare the two teams but let's do it quickly we talked about houston number 29 total offense number 29 pass offense they were top 10 in terms of their run offense they were number eight only averaging 17.4 points per game which ties them for 28th overall in the nfl new england top five total offense 386.3 in terms of their yardage number four pass offense 269.3 they averaged 117 yards on the ground per game which means between the two teams new england is actually the better run offense than is houston and that's houston's strength Averaging 27.6 points per game were the Patriots' number three total scoring offense in football. On the defensive side, obviously, in terms of total defense, Houston's going to have the edge. Number one total defense in football this season. New England, no slouch. They were a top 10 total defense. 326.4 yards allowed per game has them sitting at number eight. Houston also second best secondary in football this season. You take a look at the Patriots. They were no slouches. They were inside the top 12, giving up 237.9 yards per game. What's really interesting, you look at the run defenses, and between the two teams, New England has the better run defense. 88.6 yards allowed per game on the ground by that Patriots defense. That has them tied for third in the NFL in the regular season, In terms of their run defense, Houston we talked about, no slouch stop in the run. They were top 12. But then you talk about, oh, Houston's defense, Houston's defense, Houston's defense. Who was, I'm going to give you three guesses and two of them don't count, who was the number one scoring defense in football this season? It was the Houston Texans opponent this week, the New England Patriots. New England only gave up 15.6 points per game this season houston that number one total defense number two secondary they still gave up 20 and a half points per game which hasn't look they're no slouches they were number 11 in the nfl but you look at okay the only way houston's going to win this game is with defense they're facing the number one scoring defense in football and the tied for the third run defense so that's going to be a problem for houston houston we have another problem this game is not in houston uh, houston on the road were bad this season real bad how bad they were two and six and they're being outscored by an average of nine points per game 24 to 15. Now, that would be a problem at the best of times for the Houston Texans. This is going to be the worst of times for the Houston Texans because they're traveling to New England and in Gillette Stadium, New England was not untouchable, but they were pretty damn good. New England 6-2 at home this season, outscoring opponents by 11 points, 27-16. to 16. Let's not forget that earlier this season when New England played Houston, Houston was shut out. Against New England. They lost that game, I believe it was 27 nothing or 29 nothing. It was one of those two numbers, I believe. And I think that was with Jacoby Brissett. The only potential saving grace, and the only thing that I think Houston Texans fans can hold on to if they're trying to find hope is how New England performed coming off of their bye week. Facing a weak road team, now a good team overall, but a weak road team, that was Seattle. And Seattle went into Gillette Stadium and beat the Patriots 31 to 24. Houston ain't Seattle. I just, just, I just will put that on Front Street. Houston's not Seattle, but that's at least something the Texans fans can look at and go, maybe, maybe. Look at that. That's that's something before they get clobbered. So obviously, I'm taking New England in this game. I like the Patriots straight up. on the line, New England favored by 16 points. And the worst part about it is I think you have to take that. Uh, I 16 points, it's a lot. It's two fully converted touchdowns, but is there anyone that thinks Houston is going to score two touchdowns in this game? Because I don't think they are. So New England only has to get to maybe 24, 27, maybe 30. They probably only need to get to that number in order to cover the 16 points so I think they're going to do that. I'm going to take New England -16. It almost seems disrespectful until you realize they're playing the Texans in New England. Total in this game 44 and a half points. I have to stay under on it because I have to respect Houston's defense, obviously have to respect New England's defense, and I don't know what I'm going to get out of Houston's offense. So 44 and a half points, it's too many for me. I have to stay under on it. I'm going to go 28-10. I'm going to give Houston the benefit of double digits, but let's go 28-10 New England like the Patriots to win straight up, the Patriots to cover minus 16 points in a game that stays under and a half. The final game we're going to look at this week, AFC 3 versus 2. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 11-5, champions of the AFC North coming off of a 30-12 victory over Miami, avenging a 30-15 loss from earlier in the season traveling to kansas city 12 and 4 on the season champions of the afc west let's just get this out of the way right now before we even talk about this game ben roethlisberger is playing this week you're gonna get 500 injury updates on him prior to the game roethlisberger is gonna play so if we've got that out of the way let's talk about the game We talked about Pittsburgh last week, and basically across the board, they were a top 10 offense. Number seven in terms of total offense, tied for top five pass offense. They were only number 14 in terms of their run offense, which is a bit of a shock when you've got Le'Veon Bell, but then you remember, oh yeah, Le'Veon Bell catches passes like a wide receiver. So that makes sense. Tied for a top 10 in terms of scoring offense this season were the Pittsburgh Steelers at a total of 24.9 points per game. Kansas City, not overly comparable, except in terms of the end results. So Kansas City, they averaged 343 yards per game in terms of their total offense. That only has them number 20 in the league, in the bottom half of the league. Pass offense, 233.8. That's only number 19 in all of the NFL this past season. Their run offense, you think, okay, this is an offense that's sort of predicated on the run only put up a buck nine per game, which only has them right pretty well dead middle of the pack at number 15. But they generated all of that into 24.3 points per game, which was the number 13 scoring offense. So they were opportunistic where the Kansas City Chiefs do in no small part to Tyreek Hill. On the defensive side, Pittsburgh Steelers, again, they weren't elite, they weren't an incredible defense, but they definitely got the job done on the defensive side. Number 12 total defense, only number 16 against the pass, so there are some holes in that secondary. Number 13 against the run, a top 10 scoring defense at number 10, allowing only 20.4 points per game. And again, you look at the other side and you think, okay, Kansas City team predicated on defense, and it's kind of the same deal as with their offense. Look, in terms of total defense, the Kansas City Chiefs were the number 24 total defense in football this season, 368.5 yards allowed per game. They were only the number 18 ranked secondary in football this season, giving up just over 245 yards per game through the air, which is not terrible, but certainly room for improvement. Where the Chiefs really struggled this year is giving up run yard. Holy cow. 121.1 yards allowed per game on the ground. That's the number 26 run defense in football, but again, the Chiefs opportunistic, turning a little bit into a lot in terms of their scoring defense. They were the number 7 scoring defense in football this season, only allowing 19.4 points per game, which is really impressive when you're giving up that much yardage. At home this season, the Chiefs once again very difficult team to play in their own building. Chiefs were 6 and 2 in Kansas City this season, outscoring opponents by a fully converted touchdown, 24 to 16. The Pittsburgh Steelers, no slouches on the road, started the season one and three, and then rattled off four straight road wins, finishing the season above 500 on the road at five and three, outscoring opponents in those games only by a couple of points, 22 to 20. Kansas City is going to be coming off the bye week here. How did they do? Coming off the bye week earlier in the season, Kansas City, when they came off their bye, they had to travel to Oakland to take on the Raiders. Kansas City winning that game 26-10, to 10, which is a pretty darn good performance, if you ask me, against Derek Carr and that Oakland offense, limiting them to only 10 points. You know what? To me, there's nothing wrong with being opportunistic, and again, on both offense and and defense you could argue the kansas city chiefs were opportunistic they got their chances when they got their chances they converted them and they really where it mattered which is points on the board and points kept off the board but eventually that comes back to bite you in the ass and in the playoffs that's the kind of thing that can come back and bite you in the ass and I think it's going to this week, even if Roethlisberger is limited. Look, again, he's going to play. Is there anyone out there that thinks Le'Veon Bell's not going to shred this run defense? Because I think he is. I think he he put up huge numbers last week. I think he's going to do close to that again, definitely in the triple digits. Is there anybody that thinks Antonio Brown is not going to find the end zone again? i don't think so i think he is gonna find the end zone again i think he realized wow it's really awesome scoring playoff touchdowns i think i'll do it again i think the pittsburgh steelers are gonna win this game i think they go into kansas city incredibly difficult building to win in but i think they're gonna do it i think they put up the victory in kansas city knock the chiefs out of the playoffs and go to the afc championship game an afc championship game we would all love to see I like Pittsburgh to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. On the line, the Chiefs are only favored by a point and a half. This started off with Pittsburgh being the favorite, but then with the news of, oh, Roethlisberger's ankle, the line almost immediately dropped to minus a point and a half for Kansas City. I'm going to go Pittsburgh plus a point and a half. I like them to win the game. I think it is going to be close. I'll take the point and a half. I'll go Pittsburgh plus 1.5. Total in this game is 45 points. I actually think it stays under because I think this is going to be a lot of the run game on both sides. Uh, it's definitely the the major weakness for Kansas City, and comparatively, it was not exactly a strength for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think Kansas City is going to be able to generate some run yards here. So where it's going to be, I think, a mostly running game 45 points is not a huge number, but I do think it stays under. Let's go 23 to 20 for Pittsburgh. I like the Steelers to win. I like Pittsburgh to cover a point and a half in a game that stays under 45 points. All right, guys, let's take a look at our parlay play for this week. Now, the funny thing about this is I was originally going to put like, oh, let's let's take us basically a sure thing and let's go New England on the money line. And then I realized a lot of bookies and a lot of just a lot of betting places are not even letting you make that bet. Like the spread is so wide, they're not even letting you, they're not even giving you odds to take New England to win the game straight up. So, in that game, let's go New England minus 16 because I really do believe that they're going to cover that minus 16. If you're feeling a little squirrely, swap it and take the under. But I really like New England minus 16. Let's go Pittsburgh plus a point and a half. And let's go Atlanta minus four and a half. So we're going to play three spreads on our parlay this week. And let's take the over in Green Bay, Dallas, as the total is only 52 points. A $25 bet on that four bet parlay is going to win you $277. And once again, who doesn't love 10 times in their money? If you choose to play this parlay like me, good luck to you and good luck to me. I love the little Dr. Seuss thing we can do at the end there. Nothing from SoundCloud this week, so we're gonna go back to YouTube for the comment of the week from the Wildcard Weekend video. And I gave him plenty of love for running the table straight up and against the spread. So why not give him the comment of the week too? Comment of the week this week goes to TJ Harmon. Rel Eagles fly in my pick'em leagues. TJ said, "I liked these picks. Not sure about the against the spread." who will cover who will take the points good luck this week well clearly tj you had the inside track on that one going 4 and 0 against the spread thank you very much for your comment yours is the comment of the week from the wildcard weekend video All right, folks, that's going to do it for the division round uh, predictions. Let's go over the picks here one more time. We started in the NFC. I like Green Bay to beat Dallas straight up in Dallas. I like Green Bay plus four on the line in a game that goes over 52 points. In Atlanta, Seattle, I like Atlanta as the home team to win that game. I like Atlanta to cover minus four and a half points in a game that goes over 51 and a half. Moving over to the AFC now, I like New England, obviously, in basically a walk at home against Houston. I like New England to cover that huge spread of minus 16 in a game that stays under 44 and a half points. So I think that is going to be absolute utter dominance by the Patriots. And in Pittsburgh, Kansas City, I like the Steelers to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs straight up like pittsburgh plus a point and a half on the line in a game that stays under 45 points that's it for me justin bridgewater's finest on youtube blockbuster underscore guy on twitter how did you guys do wildcard weekend let me know in the comments section below and give me some of your picks for the division round thank you so much for listening we'll see you again next week when we talk about the afc and nfc championship games hopefully you guys are enjoying the movie awards they've begun now i put out the first uh video uh, yesterday the next one's going to be coming out tomorrow on wednesday we took a day off in here in deference to the nfl video which is what most people come to see but if you're watching the movie awards thank you very much let me know what you think of the movie awards in the comment section with this or the movie award videos themselves and those will be back on wednesday enjoy the football games this weekend i think i'm going to miss at least one if not two because of my work schedule which absolutely sucks and it just guts me but hopefully i can see as much football this weekend as humanly possible enjoy the games this weekend and we'll see you next week